Look, I just want to thank you for your the huge response to all the child remedies that uh, you've... Strangely, says C-Toon Steve, I liked milk of magnesia and my mum had to hide the bottom from me <laughs> as I sneak a few swigs. <laughs> Isn't milk of magnesia a laxative? <laughs> I, I, I'm just putting it out there. I, I don't I think know. it might be. Yeah, it, mm. it may well be. I thought it was the other way around. I thought, I thought that it yeah. was to oh. stop the uh, department. Mm. Oh, right. Um, I grew up in the north of England. My grandparents had a fish and chip shop, so fresh fish was frequent. Still had the cod liver oil, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was love in a teaspoon? Love in a teaspoon was maltexone, halibut orange tablets. We thought ourselves very lucky compared to our neighbours who had to endure Lane's emulsion and milk of magnesia. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of um, medicinal history going on on the panel this afternoon. It speaks to a different time, doesn't it, Peter? It really does. Well, it does. My my dad's idea of of, uh, didn't matter whether he had a a sore foot or cancer, you got a a half a teaspoon of honey and a half an aspirin. (laughs) And it was the honey, the aspirin was put in the honey, and he sat there and swallowed it down and said, You'll be better better after that. Yes. And that was it. Yeah, that was it. Was that, yeah. yep. My father, molasses, every single day. Wasn't quite sure why he took it, but he mm. took it. You're on the panel, Janet Wilson and Peter Elliott uh, today. Now, today I want to ask you, uh, would you eat a duck egg? And if not, why not? They're an excellent source of nutrition, but for some reason, many of us don't quite like the thought of them. They are making a bit of a comeback, apparently. You can see them appearing more regularly at farmers markets and on restaurant menus. And with us is Dominic Palumbo from Brookfield's Farms in Tadmore in the Nelson region. Dominic, welcome. G'day, how are you? Good. Where exactly is Tadmore for the listeners? Um, about 10 minutes away from Tapawera, which is um, between Kohatu and Mochweka. Ah, yes, now I understand. Now, as I understand it, and I did not know that, I couldn't even, I didn't even know you could eat duck eggs, Dominic. As I understand it, duck eggs fell out of fashion just after the Second World War when a health scare connected eating duck eggs with outbreaks of salmonella. But duck eggs were a really big deal back in the day. Yep, they're um, they're war for baking, apparently. I do get a lot of older people coming in and buy them for their baking, um, but yeah, nowadays it's changed to just normal um, eating them as a normal um, egg, basically. Good grief! Um, yeah, I just had no idea. Peter, did you know this? Did you yeah, know that duck um, eggs? Yeah, no, I've had what? duck eggs many times. Yeah, no, no, no they're, they're no, almost the same shape. I think they're slightly different colour. That's about it. But it's, and I think the the yolks are slightly more orange uh, from they're from bigger me- as well. Oh, sorry. That you get a bigger yolk and uh, yeah, slightly and slightly bigger. White. But yeah, no, they're perfectly palatable. And, of course, they're naturally free-range, aren't they? Yes. And we don't have caged ducks. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. Some people do have them caged up in a small, um, small little area. Do they? But mine oh. just go everywhere to my neighbour's paddocks and all sorts of river streets <laughs> and everywhere. But the funny thing is they just line up and turn up back at um, home at night. <laughs> That's amazing. That's cool. Well, this could be a bit of a marketing sort of thing because people are really into their uh, free range, and you can't get more free range f- from what you say. Um, 
you know, uh, Dominic, than a yep. duck. Janet Wilson, have you had duck? I've never had no. a duck egg, no. No, I've, I never have. But, Dominic, I'm really keen to hear about who your market is. Who are you selling your eggs to? Well, I'm at the farmer's market mostly, and um, there are um, a few English people, um, a few Asians, I suppose, or... Um, Malaysians sort of thing, and um, just normal people, I suppose. Right. Yeah. How many would you sell? Um, individual eggs. I've sold up to 400 eggs in the market. Wow. Wow. Good so so are, these, wow. are these the big white ducks, or they're just your basic mallard? Um, no, the most um, efficient, productive um, egg layers are um, khaki campbells and um, Indian runners. Amazing. Never heard of them. I have, okay. <laughs> I have had, this is all New very Indian new to me. Sounds like it might be hard to uh, catch. Dominic. These ducks don't fly either. All right. Okay. Right. Look, um, Dominic, we're getting quite a number of people saying that, um, true or not, apparently duck eggs make a better sponge cake. Yes, they do, apparently. So I'm not a chef. Um, I love eating duck eggs, but, um, yeah, I'm not a chef, but apparently yeah, they make the best sponges. Due to the high proteins in the um, in the whites, has this convinced you, Janet Wilson, to actually have a go? Because part part of me is thinking, oh god, but actually, if they're no different, why not? Absolutely. Well, they're, they're no different, really, from an, a chicken's egg. They're just a they're, slightly bigger version thereof, aren't they? They're slightly richer, right? And I have had uh, a few people not liking them because of that. They just couldn't handle the richness of them. Right, oh. right. Dominic, do you supply uh, restaurants? Um, I've had um, a couple of restaurants buying them off me off a market. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, not, not, there's not much demand for them for um, well, there's not much demand for supermarkets, but I tell you what, I didn't know the panel had so many duck egg vans. Um, <laughs> um, duck eggs are standard for making salted eggs, which um, mm. is in Chinese cuisine. Um, my <clears> kids were allergic to chicken eggs when they were toddlers, so we had duck eggs, perfect swap. It's a different protein, so they weren't allergic. Um, my mum made the most delicious biscuits and cakes, all from duck eggs. And again, sponge cakes, Dominic. Again, yep. duck eggs. What, what, do you think that over time it'll change? Because fashion, fashion is a fickle thing, isn't it? And it just sounds yep. like it's more a fashion thing as opposed to anything else. Yeah, but there's also people that just the thought of having a duck eggs is just, you know, oh, oh, oh no, it's the duck. Um, yeah, oh, it's just, it comes from a cute little duck. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's, yeah, that's that problem sort of thing there as well. But Are they more expensive? Um, well, at, um, this year I've been charging a dollar an egg for the first time um, since um, I've had the ducks, and that's five years now. So, well, um, unbelievable yeah. response, Dominic. Um, the, Ducks, Bev and Danny Virg says they are great for pikeless and pancakes. Mm. It stops them going soggy. They're also lower in cholesterol, says one. They're better no. for cooking. Oh, okay. Wrong. Almost double the high in cholesterol. See, fact check. Thank you. Thank you, Dominic. <laughs> Thanks for that. It might be the nice cholesterol, and though. And that's one thing, and that's uh, one of the things that people get put off by as well. I've got a little chart where I sell them for, um, at the market, and uh, when they see the. Um, cholesterol level, which is almost three times the amount of a chicken egg, they just go, ooh, no, 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 no. 
Okay, but thank you for people that. People on the keto diet love them. All right. Okay, so the keto okay. people, the keto people, they're into ducks. Yep. Oh my goodness, it keeps going, Dominic. My English mum used to make deep dish custard pies with duck eggs. It was yep. the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. I used to sneak into the fridge with a spoon and eat the custard out of the pie crust. So yep. on a final, on a final note, Dominic. Um, Obviously, a huge response here uh, to people who who are duck egg lovers. The panel far across the country love their duck eggs, but there's one person who says, "I have a duck egg stall. I cannot sell one." Do you think in the future they might come back into fashion? Well, as I said, I can sell about 400 eggs um, at a single market. Um, so it depends on your customers and who you've right. got. And um, I do have a chart next to them explaining the difference between a chicken or what the um, um, nutritional, nutritional comparison between the two. Good on you. Um, and, um, yeah, and as I said, people, um, I've got regulars now that come in every year. Um, they do stop laying for a while, for a bit, during um, the winter uh, months. Um, and, yeah, when they come back, people um, just come back and get them again. Very good, Dominic. Thanks for that. And that's Donald Palumbo from Brookfields Farms and Tadmore. Uh, now, so we might have to come uh, back to this uh, duck egg thing. I just had no idea. No, how did, no how, idea. How does that person who's never sold a duck egg actually have a duck egg store? Because <laughs> 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 that, that seems to be the, the uh, height of impossibility. Uh, um, look, um, the panel, uh, NZ National, returning very briefly to one more listener um, on... Uh, emotions as a kid, Blanche. Welcome. Are you there, Blanche? Yes. Can you hear me? What did you have growing up, Blanche? Well, I had the works, the old lanes emulsion, the the um, yeah, everything you've the cod liver oil, the you know your milk of magnesia, the whole lot, <laughs> and the malt was good, and uh, and then my mother discovered garlic. And oh, yeah. um, we had uh, <laughs> to go to bed with a clove or two of garlic pinned to our night attire and um, go to school the next day. <laughs> you, mm. what, that, you, you're what? you not just making that up. That's actually the truth. You had clove, clove, garlic pinned to you while sleeping. Yeah, and, and, garlic, and um, Wallace, um, we've talked about this before. We talked about... Sandwich fillings. Yes. And oh, I welcome back, about, lunch. <laughs> yeah. Garlic in your sandwiches. It was, it was the same uh, period. Oh, it wasn't just gar- It wasn't just garlic. It was the garlic and golden syrup. That's the oh, one. Hey, God. Blanche. Nice to have you on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, garlic pinned to your pillows while you sleep. Interesting stuff. I'm just loving the yeah the history around what we used to take. <clears throat> And we used to take a lot, didn't we? Thank you, Blanche. Uh, it's 14 yes, to 5. Thanks, the panel RNZ National. Janet Wilson, Peter Elliott joining me this afternoon. Thank you, as always, for your company. Well, uh, going back to post-election issues now, and we may well return to some of this over the week. And what are our most vulnerable looking for with the new government? Did... Christopher Luxon and David Seymour, for example, engage closely with vulnerable communities to fully understand issues like homelessness. Uh, so what will they be doing to find out what needs to be done to change people's lives? With us is uh, Hi Hi to Barrett, uh, Chief Executive of LifeWise, which is a social agency based in Auckland and Rotorua. Uh, kia ora. Uh, hi to welcome. Kia ora, kia ora. 
What's your feeling on whether the incoming government has a true handle on some of those issues? What are you wanting? Hey, look, I, I guess the first thing around our vulnerable communities is that the complexities are, are daily. Uh, no, some would say hourly. And for positioning around any kind of change, it's uh, highly recommended that um, the government come in and get, gain an understanding of what these complexities really are. So we're going from an age continuum of child poverty right through to uh, issues with youth homelessness, uh, youth uh, justice. We've got uh, young people, we've got babies hungry, uh, we've got children out of school and living in the motel environment. We've got adults with high-level mental health and addiction issues that aren't housed and in the communities requiring support. Uh, we have daily high access security into our mental health system, but they don't have anywhere to return to in terms of safe housing. And then we also have a, a issue and challenges in our age continuum with elderly and a workforce that is not currently supported to be able to care for them. So my immediate response around vulnerable communities is that it's across our age continuum. Um, no. It's very well alive. And, uh, okay, well, let's bring in our um, panel because uh, the Janet Wilson, these are some really pressing issues and they're certainly yeah. not going to go away with the change of a new government. Mm. Mm. I'm really interested to get High Hartu's view of what's happening within your community. Are your numbers growing? They are growing. We have backlog of, if I look at Tamaki Makoto, we have uh, Rangatahi and our women who are the most vulnerable for waiting for housing. Um, in the Central Bay of Plenty, specifically in Otorua, we have again the same numbers waiting to be housed. So the statistics around access are high for people trying to get into services, but also people who have been in services and who have been challenging within the services and then they're either discharged or they leave. It's around how do we still provide the supports. So the acuity levels haven't reduced, but the, um, the numbers are certainly still climbing. Peter. Uh, uh, hi, too. Um, the Action Nat uh, and the Nats gave the Labour Party a fair old lashing over this child po- uh, poverty stats and said that they'd done nothing. But, but the, possible, the, the, the story is that they want to cut public services. Do you think this is going to affect you? Because uh, even though um, the intention might be to improve services, and it's not just um, it's disability as well as, as child poverty and, and, and housing, do you think that's going to improve under this new government or not? The, what we have to say is it has to improve. Um, the, the issue of I'm, I'm looking right now at our statistics for our people our fam- families, there are 112,000 in Aotearoa children now hungry, right now. And a lot of the families that are experiencing the poverty um, are either in the space of transitional housing, emergency housing, or still within the streety whanau, but also they're not connected into communities that could be supporting them. So when we're looking into public services and public sector, we also have to have an understanding that it's just it's hard enough for people to come out of the homes to access the services. So we need to be community planted. The whole models need to be changed. We have to be available and accessible for our whānau and families to be able to come in and be able to reduce these numbers. 
Just briefly before we leave you, uh, hi to did um, Christopher Luxon or David Seymour engage with you uh, as chief executive of LifeWise um, pre-election? Their teams certainly did. However, uh, David Luxon did go to our partnership law to um, Auckland City. Chris Luxon. Oh, sorry, yes, I'm, yeah. sorry, end of the day interview. Yeah. Um, the uh, the value around that is that we work as a strong housing collective within the central city. Um, so the connection was made via that platform. However, there wasn't any direct with me. Well, keep in touch uh, with you on this particular, these particular issues. Complex, uh, aren't they? But for now, Kia ora. I appreciate your time. There's hi. hi hi to Barrett, the Chief Executive of LifeWise, a social agency based in uh, Tamaki Makaurau and Rotorua. It is eight away from five. The panel, RNZ National, thank you so much for all your responses today. Peter, you're going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say the, the LifeWise uh, website has um, is quite good. It's, it's quite clear about what's what they're doing and who they're doing it for. And at the end of that, there is a donate button because I suspect that there's a, a great deal of help required. So if you do feel that you want to have a look at this thing and, and not regard these people as bottom feeders, uh, but actually there's people who need help, 112,000 people, that donate button could be pushed down as many times as you like. The panel are in Z National finally on today's program. Today marks the start of... New Zealand Recycling Week and the South Canterbury Environmental Group is making it all about the BYO Keep Cup. More than 200 million disposable cups are used across Aotearoa every year. Most head to landfills. What do you do? Do you have a keep up? Do you actually use it? Uh, I've, I've got to say because I will get challenges on this. I try and do my bit oh, when it comes to local stuff on the environment but to this I have a shocking uh, pedigree. Uh, I buy one uh, every second day, can't <laughs> help it, have done it for a long time. Angie Wynn is the waste minimisation educator and advisor for Enviro NZ at the South Canterbury Eco Centre. Angie, kia ora. Hello, hello, how are you? Educate me. I have good news for you. Uh-huh. We, can, we can definitely help you out, and it's not even that hard. Well, it needs to be the right sort of cup. You see, that's the issue. I need the right sort of cup. You have to have it's coffee is very personal. I've found people have to have a cup that they like, and then they'll keep track of it and they'll reuse it. Mm. Haven't found it yet. And, yeah, yeah, and you might need three. <laughs> you yeah. might need one at work. And you, you might need one, need one, one in your car. The, the drink as well because it gets cold so fast. That's in the problem. Cup. That's the problem. And then you end up with five or six of them littering the car, and you go, "I've got to throw these." That's plastic waste, and you get. Rrr. So and the me- and the metal ones are even worse because they cool down even faster. Yes. So you know that's it. So how do you fix well, this problem? It's well, a major problem. We couldn't believe we <laughs> couldn't believe that two hundred and ninety-five million single-use cups get used every year. Yeah. Like that figure, it was crazy. And so we were trying to think, right, what can we do hmm. from the 16th to the 22nd of October, one week? What can we focus on, put a positive focus on, and make a difference? And we figured that this time, this year for New Zealand Recycling Week, we would focus on uh, coffee cups, single-use cups, because everybody's out in the morning and everybody's after their coffee. It's fair enough, Janet. Um, I'm really interested, Angie, in, in people's kind of, you know, the psychology behind this. Why why do people like Wallace, for instance, find it so difficult to go from um, um, a single-use cup to, uh, to a, a pottery cup? What, what, what are some of the things that, that make people resistant to the idea? Well, I don't think they're resistant so much as it's habit. So if 
pre-COVID, actually, a lot of people were having, you know, the Keep Cup or um, this other kind of reusable cups. And then everybody got kind of scared. COVID happened and everybody kind of shied away and we were dealing with other things. And now that that's, you know, everybody's opening back up and everything. I went around to about 25 cafes and everybody is into this. Um, they're ready for people to bring their cups in. There are a lot of people already are. So I don't think there's people are resistant, but I think a lot of people are out of the habit. One of the major problems with the keep cup is that you've got to sip it out of a little hole like a kid's sipper. <laughs> and it makes you feel yeah. like an idiot. And that's really awful. And it can dribble and drool down your chin as well. And then the thing is, if you take that lid off, the lid is too fat. Now, I'm a thin lip kind of guy. I like to drink yeah. my coffee out of a thin lip. And I'm yet to have a keep cup that's got a huh. thin lip. But if you found one that was insulating and a thin lip, I'd probably buy it. Uh, have you, you tried a Frank Green? But apparently, oh. that those are a, a new, newbie, newbie on the market. Or you have all the answers. I have been around to a lot of cafes. <laughs> I can tell you, they are ready for you. They so, are ready for you to come and do this. You need a bullet as a keep cup. Doesn't affect flavour. Keeps heat for ages. Very stylish. I'll look into it. I guess that wider issue, uh, Angie, is you know I can recall mid nineties going for a coffee in Dunedin. Mm. A keep cup. There wasn't such a thing. And yeah. now, thirty years later, there are two hundred million across the year. Yeah. That's uh, that's the wider issue, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. So we, we thought by um, – there's actually a cafe in Geraldine called Verde, and they are really brave. They have gotten rid of all of their single-use cups, and if you go in there, you're going to be offered a glass jar, which is not everybody's cup of tea, but a lot of people took up to that. Okay. A lot of people brought in their own cups, and some people um, bought a keep cup off of them. But very brave move. To and just the go coffee's nice there too. Yeah, yeah. The day we were just so, down there was great. Yeah, they've inspired us. So based on their model of how they were doing, we figured if 10 cafes did exactly what Verde does, that would save 1,500 single-use cups out of landfill in just one week. Good on you. Nice one, Angie. Wow. Kia ora. Appreciate your time. Yeah, that's, that's quite, quite the issue. It's something you can do uh, personally. 200 million disposable cups every year today, uh, New Zealand Recycling Week. Um, Wallace, to solve your issue with retaining heat, go to the Bullet Cup. It'll help your thin-lipped journalist, man. Thin-lipped journalist. Thin-lipped. I'm looking at your lips now, Peter. Yeah. They're not that thin. They're not that thin, though. <laughs> no. I am a little thick. Um, yeah. Is the answer, Janet Wilson, really to actually not have a keep cup and sit down and have your coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, that could, could well be. That. that could well be the answer. But do we have the time? The well, short that's answer right. is we keep we keep telling ourselves that we don't have time, but yeah. we make our own time, don't we? Surely. Yeah. yeah. Lovely thought. Back to the gratitude thing, isn't it? Yep. Anyway, both of you, just fantastic, as always. Janet Wilson, Peter Elliott. Lovely Kira to be Tiro. back, Wallace. Yeah. I'm Wallace Lovely Chaplin. to be on. Yeah, nice. Nice uh, to hear you, Janet. Uh, Cheers. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Al. 3.45 tomorrow, Lisa, uh, Lisa Owen uh, with Checkpoint next. Till next time.